0: we got nathan jones on today it's been a long time he just told me it's been long enough that my beard grew right (laughs) so um yeah it's been a while it's been too long we got to have nathan on more often uh nathan why don't you just do since it's been such a while give us a quick little intro, what you do there, where you're
1: from, and uh, take it away. Certainly. Well, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm with Layman Lion Ministries, where a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do that a number of different ways, primarily through our television program, which is called Christ in Prophecy. It's uh, airs on Daystar, a number of other Christian networks. And uh, my job as internet evangelist, is to reach the billion people out there who are accessible over the internet. And I do that uh, primarily through our website, which is ChristinProphecy.org. There we have a wealth of information, videos, articles, an e-newsletter. You can sign up, social media. We have an app you can download, uh, resources you can buy, whatever will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Check us out, ChristinProphecy.org. Very cool. And you guys are in the great state
0: of Texas, right? right right you gotta that's do the game. cool right <laughs> so it's sunny i could see there's some sun behind you
1: yeah well we had some pretty horrific uh, tornadoes the last few days uh, today we actually get the beauty of it afterwards so uh wow. spring has sprung here in dallas texas so wait did
0: you guys do you actually get tornadoes in your area where you guys have to go into the basement at any given moment
1: Oh, the worst thing about Texas is because the soil is so poor, you can't build basements and houses. So there's nowhere to go. Oh, how
0: lovely. So get in your bathtub, folks. Just remember that. And put a mattress over yourself, I think. Go in your closet.
1: You yeah, we don't have the earthquakes you do, but uh, we certainly have the tornadoes, and the hurricanes along the coastline. And You know, when I moved here 15 years ago to take the position at the ministry, I had no idea that the weather was so bad in Texas. Matter of fact, I read one NOAA report that, uh, because four different wind, uh, I don't know, streams merge uh-huh. here and then start heading east is that we've got some of the most dangerous weather in the country. Who knew? Oh. But oh, Everybody's nice. moving here. So
0: yeah, every, everyone is moving. <laughs> they're leaving California and they're going everywhere else. Where are they going? Texas, Idaho, Kentucky, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, and actually praise to uh, the Oklahomians. They just banned abortion as far as I know, which is great. I mean, it's quite the
1: opposite from what California is doing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was telling Nathan off the record, um, please pray for your brothers and sisters in California. Try not to dog us too much. I get it. We all get it here in California. Uh, But don't forget that there's a lot of people here in California That Love the Lord. There's a big fight on our hands here spiritually. So uh, pray for your brothers and sisters in California. Pray for the churches in California. There's a lot of good churches here, and a lot of them are preaching the soon return of Jesus Christ. So the battle is really, really intense here in California, and we could definitely, definitely use your prayers. All right. Nonetheless, Before I move on, Nathan, if you're totally cool with it, because I don't know how many people are going to get to the end of the video. um, I need to, two things I need to address. For those of you that like the ministry and the podcast that I'm doing through Serpents and Doves, there are two ways that you can help us keep going. And um, one of those ways would be by donating. If you go to the website up on the top right-hand side, There's a donate button. You can uh, click on that and it will take you to the donate page. And the second way that you can do it is if you go to our online shop, there are a bunch of things uh, that you could get there in support. It allows me to not only keep going, but it allows me to prayerfully put more product up, cool designs. Again, I'm a graphic designer by trade. I love doing that. And there's nothing more that I enjoy than putting some graphics on the t-shirts the other thing that i want to mention which nathan already did if you guys go to the uh lamb lion ministry website if i can get to it so give me a second um there it is folks it is lamb and lion ministries but it's what is it christ in nathan
1: correct yes just like our tv show christ in prophecy
0: So you guys can go there. You see the picture of Nathan up there with Tim Moore, and uh, he is fantastic. Both of them are. That's Dr. David Reagan right there. And if you also want to support their ministry, by all means, please do so as well. You can see on the top right-hand side as well, there's a red donate button. You can click there, and it will take you to their donate page um and then see i just did a boo-boo there that's what happens when you're trying to figure all this out i did this on the last interview with pete garcia so okay we have yeah pete's a good dude great guy um if you haven't seen the interview by the time this one goes up go back and check pete's interview as well he's uh, a brilliant too okay nathan ready ready to dive in
1: Sure. Yeah, we'll be bringing uh, Pete Garcia out to uh, record a TV show soon. So, All
0: right. Nice. Um, okay, so let's get crack a I'm going to play a clip as an intro to everything going on, and we'll just dive right in. You ready? All right, here we go.
1: In the words of Jan Marquel, who I had a great conversation with just a few weeks ago when I was in Minnesota, uh, she was speaking and then she said uh, she was talking with somebody about uh, the the way everything looked and the person was greatly bothered by the direction the world was going and she simply said this well what did you expect it to look like before Jesus returns because the Bible tells us exactly how it's gonna look so everything is going that direction so don't lose heart
0: so um that's Pastor Tom Hughes for those of you guys who don't know it hope for our times go check him out I'll probably link in the description below but anyways Nathan huge huge question right they ask, well, man, everybody's frustrated. What's going on? This is crazy. Things are nuts. But at the end of the day, what the question is, what is the world supposed to look like before or prior to the rapture? So we're going to get into that real quick. So just as a general overview, what is the world supposed to look like right before the Lord comes to take
1: his bride away? It's a great question. Uh, you know, it's funny they you mentioned that. I was watching, you ever watch Dry Bar on YouTube? It's a clean comedy channel. And uh, this one comedian, he's doing his shtick and then he stops and he kind of looks out vacantly in the audience and says, have you noticed how crazy things are getting lately? How everyone kind of can tell that there's something wrong with the world. It's off kilter. And he sat there for a second. And then like he snapped out and went right back into his comedy routine again. I think you're right, uh, Pablo, most people are starting to feel that, that the world is is just off track. Something's not right. It's, it's going in the wrong direction. And so to answer your question, I think that's exactly what this comedian uh, basically idealized for us or defined was that we live in a time period where... Uh, something's wrong. Something evil is definitely growing. Society is definitely getting more corrupt. People are depressed. They're getting on drugs and looking for alternatives. It's a hedonistic society. People are lost spiritually. They're longing for something more, but they they lost what it was. They can't remember because it's been a few generations divided since we basically kicked God out of our schools and court systems and everywhere else. uh, People realize that something's wrong. War seems to be looming. And so... It's it's something that I think it's really affecting people emotionally. Of course, with the uh, uh COVID pandemic too, that that is definitely something that happens once every hundred years or so. I mean, something was definitely wrong. And so that is the the world that Jesus said that we'd be living in leading up until his return.
0: Yeah, it's um things are definitely uh off kilter. And it's not just the believer, uh, it's also those who don't know Christ, like you just mentioned, that something is not right and um the here let me let me say this much there are those naysayers there are people always throughout history who say well there's always been x y and z this has always been going on and i've heard it i'm sure you've heard it and it doesn't only come from those that aren't in the church i'm hearing it from those that are within the church that say well we've always had these sorts of problems happening within the church. So the question to be asked is why is it is today different than back then? What is so distinct about the time we're living in biblically, right? Than the times let's say 30, 40, 100, 200 years ago.
1: Well, what you said is a quote from 2nd Peter chapter 3 and uh here Peter is telling the, his reader he says uh, Knowing this first, verse three, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will forget forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what is he saying here in, in 2 Peter 3? It's a prophecy that in the last days, people would come scoffing that Jesus would return. They're saying, well, you know, everything's been the same. And what they're saying is uniformitarianism. They're saying that everything has been existing for the same thing it hasn't been forever. What they're really saying is we don't believe that God's going to return. We believe that there is no creation, that they're uh, basically an evolutionary or an atheistic standpoint. So not only do they deny the creation, but they also deny the flood, that the flood ever happened. They deny that it existed. So what we got here is a a time period in the last days where Peter's saying is that people are going to deny the the creation, they're going to deny the flood, and they're going to scoff that Jesus Christ will ever come. And why do they do that? Because they walk according to their own lusts. When you're walking according to your own lust, you know, you you live for yourself. You're totally a narcissist, a hedonist. Uh, You're a materialist. You live with a sense of nihilism because those things don't satisfy. Uh, You don't want the just judge to return and judge the world, obviously, because he's going to judge you of your sins. And that is the condition Peter says that the world will be in before the Lord's return. He picks up in verse 8, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that uh, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord isn't slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but it's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. So Peter's saying here that, hey, it might seem like it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was here, but that's not a long amount of time for him, for us. Yeah, 2,000 years. He's not uh, holding off. He's not lazy. He's not disconnected. He's long-suffering because he wants everybody who has an opportunity to accept him as Savior to get saved. So that's another condition of what life is like before his return.
0: Yeah. Um, there. I'm trying to think of, so you have that camp right there. And then at the same time, those within the church, you have the camp of, hey, you know what? Yeah, things are bad, but buck up because things are going to get really bad. You got to start prepping. You got to start putting things away. Um, you got to start thinking bunkers, <laughs> but there's also that mentality even within the church, which Uh, is not a healthy mentality, biblically speaking. Obviously, I know I'm talking about the different views on the rapture. And as many views as there are on the rapture, only one of them is correct. Okay, So you can't have multiple correct views of the rapture. And so I know Nathan feels the same way as I do that the Bible uh, is is clear that it is a pre-tribulational rapture. But there are inherent dangers in thinking that okay, you know what this if you think this is bad, oh you just wait because things are going to get really bad because the church is going to go through either half the tribulation, the whole tribulation or uh you know, some Christians, spirit-filled Christians will go, but if you're a carnal Christian you're going to stay here to endure the wrath, you know, or we're going to go like the pre-wrath rapture until, you know, the, the full wrath of the Lord is released. And what is it? The, the, up to the bold judgments. And so there is all of this stuff that's confusing people and you throw on top of it, everything that's happening. We're going to list some of the things that are happening and it's definitely not an exhaustive list, but what are um, is that dangerous to to be thinking that way? To to have that that mentality, that mindset?
1: We got to remember that Titus two thirteen calls the rapture of the church our blessed hope. It was meant to be given to us to encourage us that the Lord would come. And even all the way back to the apostles' time in the first century, they were anticipating the return of Christ. But again, as we just read in Second Peter three, the Lord is patient. He wants everybody to get saved who will come to Him and get saved. So. He's not uh, being slack, as it says, or being distant, but he's giving every opportunity until every person that's meant to be saved during the church age is saved. Now, you do get people who think that some Christians have to go through some Protestant purgatory to burn their sins away before God will allow them into heaven. But uh, doesn't 1 John 1:7 say that the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all unrighteousness? So when we accepted Jesus as Savior, he did the only work that matters by dying on the cross. And then the Bible left us promises, uh, Pablo, about when the rapture should happen. For instance, Revelation 3.10 says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. So, Paul so said earlier.
0: Nathan, let me jump in there real quick. And you know I okay. have a nasty habit of interrupting, but there's things Please that do. come to my mind. So some people would say, okay, well, um, why is, is that in reference? And again, I'm going back to the these different views on the rapture. Um, those that endure, some say that's only in reference to the Philadelphian church that is, you know, in the last days. But the Laodicean church is going to go through the tribulation. So um, how do we as believers, obviously knowing scripture, but some would read that, where do they get this stuff from? I mean the the scripture is plain and clear right there's that if if the scripture makes plain sense don't seek any other sense lest you come up with nonsense something along those lines the golden
1: rule of biblical interpretation yes right so so where do they get that from well because they take one verse and run with it they don't put it with all the verses that that's one thing about bible prophecy it's it's peppered throughout the bible you know one in 25 verses in the new testament talk about jesus return Sometimes they're lumped together in certain chapters, like Luke 21 and Matthew 24, and other times they're, they're peppered throughout the teachings that the apostles gave. So if you look at Revelation 3.10 and say, hey, that, that, that must be for the church of Philadelphia, well, then you're ignoring 1 Thessalonians 1.10, where Paul says, and to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's okay. Well, that's for the church of Thessalonica. Well, what about Romans five, nine, since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Ephesians five, six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things. God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient, not the obedient who are saved in Colossians three, four, when Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in a glory. So, Pablo, again and again, Scripture states the church is not meant to endure God's special time of wrath. We can look at the 21 judgments as they laid out in the book of Revelation, and some will say, well, some of these judgments are the wrath of man, and some are the wrath of Satan, and some are the wrath of God, but but who opens the very first seal in all seven seals? It's Jesus Christ. And where do the uh, trumpet judgments get blown from? Before the altar of the Lord. Where do the bold judgments get poured out? Before the throne room of God. All 21 judgments come from the throne of God. Therefore, the entire Daniel 70th week, which is seven years, is all God's wrath upon the earth. And the church has promised never to have to endure the wrath of God.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and I want to make sure there's a, a distinction that there are those within the church that believe there's a difference between God's wrath and man's wrath. And that part of the tribulation is man's wrath on man. And then the other is God's wrath on man. To be honest with you, God is the one that uh, moves, you know, the king's head, makes them do whatever they want. At the end of the day, God is the one that is uh, handling and he is the one moving everything. And it's it all uh, has an end goal. God always has an end goal in mind. And so uh, the other thing is that the tribulation isn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, the main Uh, impetus of the tribulation is towards Israel. It is not towards the
1: Gentiles. Am I correct? You are correct. Uh, The prophecy for Daniel's 70th week was uh, 70 weeks of seven or 490 years. Uh, But he prophesied that 483 of them would happen, and then the Messiah would be cut off, which is exactly what Jesus happened at his first coming. In fact, uh, you can go to the day, calculate it, was when Jesus did his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Then he was cut off and crucified and killed. So there's still seven years remaining. So when we read in Revelation about the tribulation, it again tells us that it is a time for the Jewish people to get them on their knees and, and turn and repent to, and turn to Jesus as their savior. We read that only two-thirds of the Jewish people, uh, uh, I'm sorry, one-third, but two-thirds will be killed during the tribulation time period. That's a tremendous amount. And the blood of the martyrs from every tribe, tongue, and nation, in other words, people who get saved after the rapture, but during the tribulation, there'll be countless multitudes across the world who will get saved, maybe even from watching this video podcast, Uh, but they will then have to give up their lives because Satan will be ruling the world through a one world ruler called the Antichrist, and he will greatly persecute the Jewish Jewish people and, and the tribulation saints. So Yeah, it's going to be a terrible time that's coming. But what we're enduring now, to go back to your first question, is what Jesus called the birth pangs or the birth pains. Uh, You have children, I have children. We watched as our wives uh, went into labor. It it starts off as the contractions are far apart and the pain's not intense. But over the process, the, the pain gets stronger, the contractions get closer until eventually the baby's born. And that's an illustration Jesus used in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13 of how the signs of the end times would have always been here. There's always been wars and rumors of wars, false teachers, false prophets, earthquakes, famines, plagues, signs in the sky, Jerusalem uh, being under siege. Uh, All these different fearful things have existed, but Jesus said they would increase in frequency and intensity the closer we got to his return. And brother, we are seeing across the board on all the signs of the end times, it increased in frequency and intensity.
0: Yeah, Matthew 24, 8, I like to read from the Amplified Bible, says this, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And then it says of the intolerable anguish and the time of unprecedented trouble. I thought that is a great, great way of describing what's going to happen and what's, what's starting to happen in our world today. And as we get into this crazy list, um, I want to read both Matthew 24, something I did want to ask you. I read somewhere that uh, in scripture, when it talks about the day of the Lord, Old Testament as well, is referring to the end times. Is that right? Or is it sometimes referring to coming judgment that Israel faced in the past? So if you can clarify that for me, because I read that in a couple of places and I figured who best to
1: ask than Nathan Jones. (laughs) Well, to answer you, yes and yes. Old Testament prophets use key phrases like latter years and last days to indicate what they call the time of Jacob's trouble. It's this going to be horrific time period. The Bible says, unlike any other time period that's ever existed for the Jewish people. I mean, really as bad as the Nazi Holocaust was and the whole world says, you know, it was one of the worst times in human history. Sure. It's sadly going to be worse. There's 19 references from the old Testament that the new Testament also explains this day of the Lord. You can find it in acts 2:20, 20 first Thessalonians five 2, second Peter 3:10, and so on that the day of the Lord will be this, tribulation time period a seven-year time period when god's going to pour out his wrath upon the world for its continued rebellion against him as well as use that time to bring many to people to accept jesus as savior and especially among the jewish people so yes the day of the lord uh has been used throughout the old testament to explain a time where god's wrath is poured out upon its people or its enemies but specifically day of the lord capitalized you could say just like We all go through little T tribulations, but we're talking about an event called the tribulation. That's what the day of the Lord will be.
0: Well, I'm going to read something from uh, Isaiah. And um, you tell me if it's talking about, it sounds like it's talking about the tribulation, but I just want to make sure. So let me go there and read Isaiah chapter 13 verses 9 through 13 says, See, the day of the Lord is coming. A cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless." I will make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. So what is that talking about, Nathan?
1: That's obviously the day of the Lord, the tribulation time period. Uh, we got to remember that humanity got so evil in the days of Noah That the lord destroyed the earth in a flood and he gave a promise by putting a rainbow in the sky and that's the symbol for i will never flood the world again unfortunately we live in a time period that took that symbol throws it in god's face and says all right you're not going to judge us you promised you won't touch us but what they don't know is that the tribulation time period has been promised and that's a time period of great disaster great upheaval great destruction great war Uh, A lot of verses sound nuclear in nature. Maybe our nuclear arsenal will be released during that time period. I mean, it would be so horrific that just in the first three and a half years, half the world population, the Bible says, will be dead. Half the world. That's four billion people dead in three and a half years. What do they die from? When the Antichrist is consolidating his empire on the world, he causes the next world war. Uh, He causes war to be around the world. And the result is that. Obviously the supply chains are disrupted. Food can't be grown. We're seeing that in Ukraine right now as the breadbasket of Europe yep. can't produce food and send it out. And so you get people starving and that's what this prophesied will happen to will work for a day's wages and only have enough money for a loaf of bread. Of course, with war comes disease and famine and many people die. The animals get hungry. And so they start attacking people as well. And the Bible prophesies that this will be the beginning of the tribulation. So just three and a half years in, you've got four billion people dead. By the end of the tribulation, the, the the destruction is so bad that the Lord, when he returns, will gather the people in the world and judge them in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. The rest of the world, whoever's left, will fit in one valley. So when we read about how rare humanity is going to be, that's exactly what was prophesied there in, in Isaiah. That is insane. I really don't think anybody— and. Present
0: company included can fathom four billion people dying. Let me let me just kind of uh, maybe try and put things in perspective. When this whole COVID thing broke out, I remember in Italy, they they said. Now, unfortunately, I don't know if you could believe it or not, but they said they the funeral homes and the mortuaries and people they couldn't cremate fast enough because of the death rate in Italy of the elderly, okay? If that's one country, and I'm sure that didn't reach the the tens of thousands. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it did. I could be wrong. Four billion people. Where in the world are you going to bury them or even find the time to bury four billion people? That's not going to happen. So as a byproduct of that, Bodies I would imagine are just going to be strewn everywhere and not to sound gross or anything, but it's reality. They're going to start to, to decay and rot. And then you have airborne illnesses that are born from that. Uh, It's going to be a toxic environment. I don't know if you would agree or not with, with that assumption.
1: That's Um, just, that's just in the first half, half, Pablo, if you get into say the, um, the trumpet judgments, for instance, in yeah. Revelation uh, 6, uh, excuse me, 8 and 9, what you've got is you've got, uh, for instance, the first trumpet judgment. This would be the eighth judgment that God puts upon the world. It says, the first angel sounded, hail and fire followed, and mingled with blood, and they were thrown into the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second trumpet judgment, is, uh, something like a great mountain, maybe an asteroid will hit the earth. A third of the seas of blood, a third of living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships. It goes to the spring waters as well in the next one. So what we're seeing here is that as these things fall out of space, uh, a lot of fear lately about asteroids and meteorites and all hitting the earth, uh, comet possibly, that it pollutes a third of the waters both fresh and salt. So what do you got then? Uh, You've got all that death of sea creatures and animals. So you've got whole seas filled with dead animals floating all over the place Water systems polluted by death and animals. Uh, whatever hits the becomes makes the water bitter, so it destroys the water systems too. And then that's just the trumpet judgments. When you get to the bowl judgments, it says all the water is tainted, both salt and fresh, and all the animals die. So, I mean, we're talking about the worst time in history. And what do we have now? We have a bunch of very foolish politicians who are looking at Ukraine and posturing and saying. Oh, well, you know, we should have World War Three and get it over with. Are you insane? With the firepower that we have today and with God's judgments raining down, when you can fit the remainder of humanity into one valley, uh, we're, we're insane. We do not understand what a world war will cost. We, we live too disconnected from what World War II was like. And can imagine World War III, but with today's technology. It's yeah. going to be that bad.
0: No, it's insane. Um, Joel 230 says, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Uh, By the way, it's not going to be awesome. Like, whoa, dude, that's so awesome. It's not that kind of awesome, okay? Um, I I agree with everything that Nathan just said. I'm going to... Throw this out there, Nathan, because I think a lot of times we don't really think about what the world is going to look like immediately post-rapture. We really, really, really don't. So halfway through the tribulation, half the earth's population, that's huge, right? Let's go to, what is it, the first four seals or five seals of the book of Revelation? I think the first four seals of Revelation, you have a quarter Mm-hmm. The entire world's population dying? Am I correct? I think so, yes. right? A quarter. That's an that's huge. That's still huge. That's like 2.25 billion. Anytime you get into the millions and the billions, our minds can't conceive that uh the, they can't conceive the the how bad it's gonna be. Um, but this is what I was gonna say, and a lot of times I find myself thinking this: what is the world gonna look like? Post rapture because Nathan, don't we find a lot of pastors, because I've talked to some of them, surprising to me, that think that for some odd reason, when the Bible says that the Antichrist is gonna, he is going to enforce a covenant for three and a half, seven uh, of seven years, but three and a half years we know he's gonna break it, but it's gonna be three and a half years of peace. Somehow they s they manage to um say, well, three and a half years of peace means three and a half years of global peace, no natural disasters, everything's peachy king, uh, everybody is living high on the hog. Where
1: in the world do they get that from? Well, I don't know where they get it from, but it's a misinterpretation of, of not following in the chronological order that is presented in the book of Revelation. Uh, from the onset, Okay, so let let's let's go back. You said, "What is life going to be like as soon as the?" Yeah, rapture? I'm sorry. Let, let's do that. Let's do that yeah. real quick. So let, let's take take people through that. So you're you are don't believe in Jesus as your savior. You've rejected him, and then one day millions of people disappear, mm-hmm. primarily through Christianized countries, the remnants in America, Africa, China. So all of a sudden, the country you're living in is totally hobbled by the worst crisis it's ever seen, because all of a sudden, all these people are missing. Economies start collapsing like in America and China. Uh, chaos is everywhere. People are terrified they're gonna be disappeared. And so we're told in Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 that the Lord, because of those people who rejected him before the rapture, will be given a delusion of belief and believe it afterwards. And so what happens is they'll, they'll look for an excuse of so all those people disappeared. And we're already hearing from the New Agers who think that aliens are going are the ones who took the Christians away. You'll probably hear uh, climate change has burned these people or uh, uh, the Maitreya has taken us off so that the rest of humanity can start evolving into their next phase. I mean, the lies are already there and the people are going to believe it. So in the chaos, they're going to see this total anarchy going. And this is where I think we get to the Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's a prophecy where Russia and the Islamic nations gather together and try to destroy Israel. There's nobody who wants to stop them, and you got to wonder why. It's got to be a result of the lawlessness that comes upon the world. God supernaturally steps in, destroys Russia and the Islamic armies with hail and earthquakes and turning the armies on each other, and then God sends fire down onto those nations. So you're starting the tribulation with the United States and China no longer being a world power, with Russia being destroyed and the Islamic world collapsed. All that you have left is Europe as a superpower and Israel as a growing superpower. Then we've got Daniel saying this one world ruler will rise up out of Europe and he'll come bringing peace. The world looks insane. People want someone to to take care of them and revive the economies of the world and all. He makes a peace covenant with Israel. And that's where you get the three and a half years of peace for Israel. Israel is protected by the Antichrist or the Antichrist fears the God of Israel And so he's making a peace covenant, like, don't attack us, while he goes and slaughters the rest of the world and puts him under his thumb. Three and a half years in the tribulation, he then, with all this power, looks at Israel and wants Israel to to destroy it. Now, the Antichrist, by that point, is possessed by Satan. And so he will walk into the newly rebuilt Jewish temple, declare himself to be God. He has a false prophet who sets up an image of himself to be worshipped. And the world then is forced into Satan worship. And you have to declare loyalty to him by getting his mark on the forehead or right hand as his name or the number 666. And you can't buy or sell without having that on you. So you either declare your allegiance to Satan or you starve to death. And if you do say that you're a Christian, well, you're going to be dead. And so what we're looking at is the world in just three and a half years descending into a totalitarian nightmare system, worse than anything Hitler or Stalin or mal ever created. And that's what life is like just in the first three and a half years of the tribulation.
0: Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna add a little more. I'm gonna back up because I did Yeah, I skipped uh, some stuff. So and not even in the tribulation because you covered it pretty good. But uh I know I rabbit trail a lot, but as I was saying before, I oftentimes find myself thinking um that what is the world gonna look like post Rapture just immediately right after the rapture. And I think oftentimes that so millions of people disappear within that group of millions of people that will disappear are gonna be uh police officers, firemen, first responders. Um I would pray and hope that the majority, if not all, of Samaritan's Purse is gone. Those are humanitarian um organizations that go and they help when there's natural disasters gone churches are going to be yeah churches are going to be gone completely um we're going to have uh who's going to respond to the disasters that are going to be happening from planes that are going to go down because pilots are gone trains that are going to crash because some of the engineers and conductors are gone uh car accidents there was just this massive pileup of cars in pennsylvania and there's a video of it um on you know online that you can find and it's just one car, one truck after another boom, boom, boom. Imagine that all over the world. Imagine that across our entire country. How is that going to devastate not only the country, the economy? How is that not going to burden the system on multiple levels? I mean, you're talking about explosions, right? So Uh, We have nuclear power plants. We have coal-powered power plants. We have hydropower plants. We have all kinds of factories that a lot of them are going to be unmanned at certain posts. Will it overload the system? Are they going to have meltdowns? Um, Homes. Think about homes. People that are going to be cooking because don't forget the rapture is going to happen all at the same time around the globe. So it's going to be nighttime in some places. It's going to be daytime in other places. And so what is that going to, people are cooking. They're going to leave their stoves on. What's going to happen if the gas goes out, boom, explosions, fires, it's going to be pandemonium. And where do you go? The hospitals are going to be not only understaffed because there's going to be doctors and nurses that are going to be gone. Where do you go in an emergency like that? I don't think our mind can conceive how crazy it's going to be the moment after the rapture happens, almost instantaneously. And what we're seeing happening right now in the world is like Nathan said, and the Bible says, birth pangs, acceleration, convergence, everything happening, boom, boom, and it's only going to get quicker. Look, I'm going to show you the list. This is just some of the things, some of the things that I listed and I sent Nathan. And we're going to go through some of those because I know I want to respect Nathan's time Um, I can sit here and talk all day about this stuff, but we're trying to paint this picture for everybody watching of what things are supposed to look like pre-rapture right before the Lord comes. And then I'm painting, we're painting a picture of what it's going to look like post-rapture and into the tribulation, because I'm sure there's a lot of people watching, maybe not now, maybe later, but that are thinking, eh, it's okay, I'll come to I'll, I'll come to Jesus after the rapture. Eh, it's all right, you know. I'll ask him right before the rapture happens. Nope, too late, too late. You will not have time. So, I know we need to move forward, and let's paint a picture, the broad brush, of everything happening right now. And again, this list is not inclusive. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a few clips, Nathan, and then we can talk about. The, the overarching theme of what that clip entails. Okay, so let me go to clip number one. Fearing Russia-Israel downgrades mission to UN General Assembly. When you say, what in the world does that mean? We're talking about Russia um, on the rise, China on the rise. And if you read just a little bit, and obviously the entire article, Israel was really slow at condemning what Russia did in the Ukraine. Um, and Russia is on it. it, They're on the prowl and uh, it's, it's Gog-esque what we're seeing, right, Nathan? But here's the crazy thing is, is that uh, Russia is not giving up any ground in Syria and Israel, as far as I know, still has relations with Russia. And so at some point, Israel is going to realize that they've been duped. Correct me. Please jump in at any, at any time, Nathan, to, to talk about, um, because we haven't seen the Isaiah 17.1, the, the destruction of Damascus. We haven't seen that happen. And then we're going to see, well, we won't, I hope, uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. So with Russia on the rise, obviously with everything they're doing, where does that put
1: Israel? Does it put them in a predicament? Does it not? Yeah. If you want to know more about this, what's going on there in the Gog Magog war, I do have a, an hour long sermon and art accompanying article that goes into detail about Russia forming this alliance with uh, Turkey and Iran, Sudan. And I'll Libya. link to it. I'll link to it. I'll make okay. sure I link to so it. For the purpose of destroying Israel. And what we're seeing is, is, is prophesied is that, well, people thought, well, prophecy must be on hold because Russia and, you know, when the, the wall fell in 1991 and they lost their power. Well, they're becoming a world power again. Now, the economy of of Russia is only the size of Texas. So it's not a superpower like America or China, but it's growing in strength. 40% of Russia's economy comes from selling gas and oil to Europe. So they've got pretty much a, a, that's why we're not seeing the European nations go nuts trying to help Ukraine because Russia is cutting off their supply. I talked with a gentleman in, in Germany this week, he says, we have no oil or gas, and we don't have the staples we used to get from Ukraine like vinegar, and the Germans love their vinegar, oil and bread, we don't have any of that right now. And so what we're seeing is Russia grow in strength, but Israel in 2025 will open up their pipeline from their massive Leviathan gas find and start piping gasoline up into Europe. So Israel will soon be an immediate threat to Russia's economy. So much so that the Russian economy would collapse if Israel started competing with Russia. We read in Ezekiel 38 and 39, that that God will put a hook in the jaw of a leader of Russia called, he doesn't ex-gog, and whether that's Putin or a successor, we don't know. But we would see that Russia then will turn its attention south, head down to Israel, get this coalition of nations, of Islamic nations to join them for the purpose of plundering Israel. Now, why do all these Islamic nations jump on board? I believe something has to happen first before that. Just like you said, Isaiah 17, Jeremiah 49 prophesies that Israel will destroy the city of Damascus in one evening. Well, how do you destroy the oldest city in the world in one evening? You do that usually right? nuclear weapons. What causes Israel to have to nuke Damascus? Or like you said, we're seeing constantly Russia involved in Syria, the U.N., just made four resolutions against Israel for being in the Golan Heights which is the western side of the Sea of Galilee or Lake Knesset. Historically when the Jews did not hold Gaza, uh, the Muslims used that to shell just six miles or eight miles, excuse me, across this very small sea on the other side and bomb the Jews and now here the Russians want a foothold in that. So we know that Russia already has plans to, for, to put that foothold in Syria and take Israel or try to take Israel. And so this is all coming about just as prophecy predicted. So question, why do you think Israel is treading so carefully, not
0: wanting to come out right now and be you know, uh, condemning of what they're doing to the Ukraine? Why are they treading so carefully when it comes to Russia? Does it have anything to do with their presence in Syria, the Golan Heights? What do you think?
1: Israel walks a, a very fine line. Very, they like they walk on eggshells. Israel wants to be liked and appreciated by the world because the world always wants them dead. Yeah, and so they make kind of whatever they can alliances with whomever they can and strong. Now Arnold Fruchtenbaum, who's a, a theologian, a messianic Jew, has comes from Poland, and he says Russia has a tremendous anti-Semitic streak. The Russians hey there you go the footsteps of the messiah exactly mm-hmm. a, a strong anti-semitic streak the russians might be partnering with israel periodically but for the most part russia has always hated the jewish people and treated them very badly throughout yeah. history and so russia has no love for israel and israel has no love for russia but if israel starts taking sides then they create enemies and more enemies than they want to handle so they're always looking for ways that they can partner they try to Cover the world in good technology, good medicine to show, hey, yeah. we're worth partnering with. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a power worth being friends. But there's that satanic hatred of the Jewish people because Satan knows that Jesus won't return. And to the Jewish people, the remnant who survived the tribulation, cry out, Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And if Satan can wipe out the Jewish people, then Jesus Christ's prophecy doesn't come true and he doesn't return. So there will always be a hatred by satanic forces of the Jewish people. That's not going to change. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Israel is really walks a very fine line. I think we're getting very close to a time period where Israel feels threatened enough that it has to destroy Damascus. Maybe a solemn 83 war where Israel has to subjugate its hostile neighbors will happen. But something unites the Muslim world to team with Russia and come down the United States, excuse me, against Israel. Israel but the United States and China all don't get involved. Why would the world superpowers not get involved? Because something hobbles them, likely economic collapse, and I believe the rapture of the church.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's unfortunate, I don't say that lightly, that Israel's going to have to experience what they experienced because I love what David Hawking says in his series, The Case for Pre-Tribulationalism. He says, Israel has undergone the worst persecution of any people in all of history. And the last thing that any Jew wants to hear is that they're going to be chastened like never before in all of human history. So uh, we need to pray for the nation of Israel, pray for their peace, pray for their safety. Most importantly, pray for their salvation, because there's, uh, there's a lot of completed Jews, Messianic Jews, but there's still a whole slew of God's uh, people who have not come to know him as Messiah. So keep them in your prayers. All right, moving on, let me go to clip number three. Russia won't give up hold on Syria. Well, we kind of just covered that a bit. Um, Syria and uh, Russia, they go hand in hand. Russia is not going to give that up. They have their reasons. Uh, Iran also has its reasons for being in there as well. Would you agree uh, with that, Nathan?
1: Oh, is Ra- Iran, whereas the Russians quietly hate the Jewish people, Iran is open and bold Yeah. Uh, if you see terrorism going around in the Middle East, Iran is supporting it. And now that we're going to give them billions of dollars to help them, to bribe them and stop their <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, nuclear program, what are they going to use that for? They're going to use it to terrorist activities. Uh, unbelievable. Oh, so, yes, come on, that's all. Nathan. You are such a
0: bigot, man. Come on. Iran's going to use it to feed their people and help build their
1: infrastructure. Come on. Yeah. Right? Where do well, they get this are- stuff? You remember during the Obama years that we had to have sanctions against, remember, Obama was really strong about that. We have to sanction Iran and that'll stop their nuclear program. It didn't. So he turned around and said, okay, now we need to give them a lot of money and basically buy them off to stop their program. And it worked for a little while. And now Biden's just picking right up on that again. Same thing. We're going to give you billions of dollars. Uh, We're basically paying you not to have your nuclear program. And Iran's laughing at us because they know that America isn't the power it used to be. They're buddies with China and Russia, who they got the big boys on the block. They don't care what America thinks yeah. anymore. No,
0: I don't think anybody does. You mean the Obiden administration, right? Because we yeah. all know that it's the third term of number 44. Um, anyways, uh, I know we, we've got to move on. Let me, let me go to the next one. So 20 facts about the emerging global food shortage that should chill you to the core. We talked a little bit about this. Uh, Matthew 24 talks about this, right? Famines. Um, And uh, there's one more clip, I believe, uh, that I have on that. It's a news article that talks pretty much about the same thing. And there is this food crisis that they're talking about that's going to be coming. We do know that it is going to come, right, Nathan? We do know that it's going to be severe. The Bible says that One entire day's wage is going to take one entire day of your work, blood, sweat, and tears to buy the ingredients to make one loaf to feed one person. And um, I think right here we have, I didn't list all of them, but for example, in France, Uh, The foreign affair minister says that it is uh, what's happening in the Ukraine, right? The breadbasket of Europe could prompt an extremely serious global food crisis. The Biden administration is worried Russia's invasion of Ukraine will cause famine in parts of the world. So on and so forth and so on. But this is something that is not going to go away. Right, Nathan?
1: It it will get worse because it's the birth pains getting worse and worse. I don't think most people realize that there are 17 famines going on in the world today. One in every five child will die. uh, Excuse me. One child will die every five seconds from starvation. So we can sit in the United States, the wealthiest country in the world and say, yeah, I don't have orange juice this week or the eggs seem to be a little shorter. I don't have my certain brand of peanut butter, Yeah. Uh, but we're living like Kings. The rest of the world gets hit very hard, very fast, and the littlest slight change in in, uh, inflation or whatnot is a matter of eating or not. So we know many, many people will starve during the tribulation time period. What's interesting is when you read Revelation chapters 17 and 18, you read about the Antichrist empire. It's called uh, Babylon the Great. And it says that the merchants of the world get rich off her luxuries. Mm. So we know that trade will continue in the tribulation. The rich will get richer, using that old saying, and the poor will get poorer. But these super companies that we have today will continue to be super companies and make great money and and be very rich. And when the Lord finally destroys this Babylon system, the Antichrist empire, they'll weep and wail because all their businesses are destroyed. So that's right. what we're seeing in the world with the haves and have nots, Will be greatly amplified during that time period. Kind of like the Hunger Games, you know? The people lived in the capital <laughs> and they they lived like kings the rich, and they were yeah. connected, but everybody else starved to death and were slaves. That's the condition during the tribulation. And you can thank uh, communism or socialism for that because that's exactly the system that we look like. That humanist Marxist system yep. will be where the rich are super rich or super rich and the poor are super poor. That's exactly describes the tribulation.
0: Yeah, and the Lord tells the angel not of Revelation not to harm the oil and the wine, correct? So tell us yeah. what, just really quickly, what does that mean?
1: Those are the basic ingredients for, for staples. So basically, what do you use as staple for food? Uh, milk and cereal, I guess, for the American. Uh, wheat for bread, barley for alcohol, whatever. The basic things that you need to, to eat are gone. Like I said, the gentleman in Germany said, we don't have vinegar, oil, or bread. You know those are the staple foods for the German people, and they don't have it. So is, imagine that on a worldwide basis. Is is oil
0: and wine also could it be also a a, a sign of uh, wealth? I mean, is it a sign a way of sim, symbolic of wealth or no?
1: I mean, I guess you could interpret it that way. You could also I, I have heard it that way, and that's why I want to bring that up. I've heard I've some heard it also symbolic symbolic of medicine. Okay, because at the time period, uh, John wine was used for stomach ailments. Yeah. For instance. Oil was used for anointing uh, and also other things. So, yeah, uh, when you live in the Middle East, you know, you need oil to Correct. keep your moisture. So that's that's an interpretation too. But since the context is starvation, I think it has to do with food stock. Okay.
0: Um, so we're going to keep moving on again. Um, there is so much. Uh, let me see what I've got next on the agenda. This is inflation. Inflation, unfortunately, everything's going up. I'm sure everybody's noticed. Uh, the, the prices of everything is insane. And so uh, food prices go up. People can't buy as much. There's shortages. People go to the stores to buy as much as they can with what's left. Um, and some of the, uh, this list has inflation by country just this year alone. In 2022, we were, when 2019, we went from one and a half to three and a half percent. That's big. That's really, really big. And I'm sure a lot of you have noticed when you go to the supermarket that what you used to be able to buy months ago or a year ago, the the buying power you had no longer has that same buying power today when you go to the supermarket. And that's, again, that is not going to get any better. That's going to get a whole lot worse. And um, so again, pray uh Pray that the Lord comes quickly because things aren't going to get any better. And then here we have another article. This one's kind of crazy. This was just in February of this year. And before, you know what, Nathan, before I go to that article and the one after that, I want to read in Matthew chapter 24, the signs of the times and the end of the age. Again, I read this with P. Garcia addressed this last time, but I think not that I'm parking right here, but this is so apropos to what's happening in our world today, that I really think it's important for us to understand what is happening. And so it says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is when the disciples came to him privately, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars, rumors or threats of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom, There will be famines and then pestilences right there. The word pestilences, all kinds of diseases from little bugs to bigger bugs. So, um, and earthquakes in various and diverse places, all these are the, like Nathan said, beginning of birth pangs or sorrows. So with that said, um, I'm going to go to that article because this just happened in the UK in February. This is crazy. This is the kind of stuff that is nuts. I mean, yeah, we just came off of this, you know, pandemic. Um, but this isn't stuff to joke about, you know. Um, the other one is Ebola. A lot of people forgot about this. We had an outbreak a few years ago and then another outbreak last year. Did you guys hear about it? Probably not, because the media is so busy talking about for the last two years, all you heard was Charlie Vector 019er. And, uh, you know, about the, the, the jab and everything else. And now all you're hearing about is the war in Ukraine. And so these distractions from what's really happening in the world, um, are really, uh, how should I say this? The stuff is not going to stop. And so you guys need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on what's going to keep happening when it comes to. Pestilences is there? Is that a byproduct of famines and death? Uh, Nathan,
1: where where do you see this going? Absolutely, yeah. I, whenever you have a time period, we'll take, for instance, World War One. Uh, world War One. Uh, we were a hundred years ago when World War One ended. The troops were all sent back home, but because they'd all come from the world, they all brought influenza with. Them. And they influenza spread throughout. I mean, it was a pandemic that makes COVID look sad and pathetic. With its six million, I read 75 million people died in those two years after World War I. And so what happens when you've got these wars that are coming upon the world? Not only the, the starvation and all the death that we talked about earlier, but you also have verses that indicate that the conventional war of the tribulation will become the nuclear war of the tribulation that God has been using his restraining influence to hold the worst of man's proclivities at bay. And we read about how after the rapture, the restraining influence of God through the church will no longer be here. And man's inner desires to do whatever he wants to act on his own hedonism will be let loose and he'll do whatever he wants. And so God's restraining hand from the nuclear forces that we have in the war will be removed And we read certain verses that describe what seemed like a first century man's description of nuclear war. If we skip over to uh, Revelation chapter uh, nine and read about the trumpet judgments, it's interesting what defines the people of the tribulation. Verse 20 says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, right? They survive all this death and disease, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols, uh, they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So what is the culture defined during this time period? It's a culture that can't exist because it's all evil. And what keeps society alive is, is grace and forgiveness and law and order. But now you have, a, a, it's like if you saw that latest Batman movie, what Gotham was like. I mean, it's about as dark and miserable and corrupt as you could get. The defining characteristics of the people during the tribulation is idolatry, in other they worship everything but God, they're murderers, they're just killing left and right, they're into witchcraft and sorcery and pharmakia, which also means drugs, they're into every kind of sexual immorality possible, and they're stealing everything left and right. You can't have a society exist like that, and that's why the Antichrist, even though he's the world leader, is called the man of lawlessness. He presides over people that I think what we saw during the Antifa riots of 2020, that's what the world society would be like, where everybody's basically a a crazy Antifa person burning and stealing and looting. That's what the entire world becomes. You can't run a world based on lawlessness.
0: Yeah. It's um, I was just, I wrote a note there and you beat me to it. I wrote a note there that despite everything we're talking about, Nathan and I, people are still um, not only, they keep doing what they're doing, but they're actually pursuing it even further, even more. It's almost like uh, the foot just on the accelerator. Let's just go put it in fifth gear and let's floor it. And so there's no, um, there are pockets where people are coming to Jesus Christ. I do believe that there are those that are seeing this happen, but I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are going to be more people left behind, obviously, than those that go in the rapture. So let's let's keep moving on. Um, we're almost there. Uh, here's another one: bacterial antibiotic resistant. That kind of you know um, goes hand in hand with what we just talked about. That article lists a slew of them of how many misuse and overuse of these antibiotics down the decades and through the years have led to these uh, bugs being antibiotic resistant. So it does nothing. The antibiotics do nothing. And That's not good because I think there's worse things that are gonna be unleashed in the world, especially during the tribulation. All right, let's let's move on. Oh, this is a fun one. Woo! Okay, so hold on. What, what this is no longer conspiracy theory. Okay. This is where we don't have our little tinfoil hats on, you know, right, <laughs> Nathan. This is talk a yeah. bit about the this whole new world order. And you know what? My son. Our son just asked us, my wife and I, uh, yesterday or the day before, when, as I prep for these, you know, he's always curious what I'm writing about. And he asked questions, which I think is great. He said, hey, Papa, what what is the new world order? And so, you know, we explained to him what it was. Nathan, just give us a quick rundown of what this new world order is, if you don't mind.
1: I guess you have to go back to the old hippies who are singing the age of Aquarius. They They foresee its time period, uh, the age of Aquarius, where we have this benevolent one world ruler who's got kind of mystic in his background. And uh, he's going to turn the world around and humanity will get rid of those those Christians and Muslims and all those uh, those religions, those monotheistic religions that are holding people back. And uh, what they're gonna do is there'll be a time of peace and Kumbaya, and everybody will share everything and nobody will own everything and we'll be happy. And uh, we're seeing so many, I can mean, go back to George H.W. Bush, who was talking about a new world order. We've got Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum talking about the new world order and the great reset. Uh, this idea that humanity can't keep going as it's going. So hum- humans apart from God, will reset the world and make it into a paradise, this utopian idea. But what they always, always, always forget is that humans are fallen and evil. And when we're giving any situation of power, we turn it for our own benefit and against other people. And so when you get these benevolent world rulers who think that they're going to bring peace to the world and how they do it, you know, look at Justin Trudeau in Canada. I mean, he basically destroyed the lives of the truckers just because they disagreed with them instead of talking with them. That's the kind I mean you can't have a nice peaceful world based on doing evil deeds. And so when you have an entire governmental system filled with these elitists who think that they're better than everybody and that they need to cut the world population in order to thrive. They never talk about cutting themselves. That's right. That's this new world order. And the Bible prophesies says exactly what this new world order is. It's Satan Achieving what he's always wanted to achieve, total control of the earth with humanity worshiping him. That's the goal. And even though we hear all this peace and love and all that that's supposed to come with it, that's just a fake wrapping of what it really is, is Satan worship. We came to the best part right now, Nathan. This is
0: my favorite part of the entire podcast. Because, yeah, as bad and as ugly things look, please, we got to give people the hope. And that's why you're smiling. That's why I'm smiling, because you and I have that hope. So why don't you share with people what that hope
1: is? Absolutely. Well, what man means for evil, God turns to good. Uh, we had uh, two young uh, missionaries from crew came from Moldova, and uh, they've been connected with uh, our ministry and sharing what's been going on. They've been dealing with the 4 million refugees coming out of Ukraine, and they're sharing the gospel with them. The church is mobilized all across Ukraine, bringing in food and supplies, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainians who've been stuck under Eastern and Russian Orthodoxy, are getting saved. Sometimes you have to just tear the fabric of society apart before people get serious about God, serious about their eternal lives, get on their knees and pray. We read in the tribulation time period that God's going to provide two witnesses who will preach from Jerusalem about the good news of Jesus Christ, like you said, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, There's even going to be a gospel angel that will spread throughout the world, giving the gospel. So that by the end of the tribulation, we read about multitudes from every tribe, tongue, and nation will finally have their hearts moved and accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And unfortunately that's the sad condition of humanity that when things are good, we forget God, but when things are bad, we draw close to him. Uh, Some of course obviously rebel, but there's always a remnant that turns to Jesus Christ And like you said, Pablo, I think there'll be more people saved during the tribulation time period than in the last 2,000 years of church history. So what man means for evil, God will turn to good because he wants people to restore the relationship with him. That's what all of human history is, is to get us back into that relationship from the Garden of Eden where we walk and talk and have fellowship with God. And that can only happen because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, died for us when we in faith, accept him in repentance, turn to him and accept him as our Lord and Savior, then our sins are forgiven, that right relationship is restored, and we can know one day that the Lord will rapture us off this earth or resurrect us, and we will stand before the Father face to face in a perfect society forever and ever. That's the good news. Amen. So for those of
0: you that might be wondering, how do I have the hope that Nathan, that, that I have, how do they... Get that, Nathan. Can you lead them in a prayer, please?
1: Sure. Well, go back to the simplest verse, even if you don't read the Bible, people know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish of eternal life. And what you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Pray from your heart, something like, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my rebellion against you. Please save me. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus will forgive you of your sins. The guilt of a life of sin will be washed away, and you will inherit eternal life with him. So, folks,
0: I really pray and hope that uh, what we talked about isn't to scare you, but to prepare you. And for Mm -hmm. those that don't know Christ or who have might, if you prayed that prayer, please contact me or contact Nathan. Um, I was telling Nathan that uh, whoever would like, I have a booklet here. I'm going to grab it. And it's written by Dr. David Reagan. It's called The Prophetic Manifesto. If you would like one of these, um, email me, and I will send this to you at no charge. It is a fabulous, fabulous book, and uh, it talks a lot about what's going on. But most importantly, if you prayed that prayer, that is the best, best thing. Repent and turn to the Lord for salvation. Nathan, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Uh, again, we always
1: run out of time,
0: man. We we always run out of time. There's just too much, too much to talk about.
1: Um, well, it's an honor to be on your program. Thank you. No Thank
0: you so much. So we're going to do this again. Okay, guys, I hope you guys were blessed, encouraged, challenged. And until the next time, God bless you. And remember to keep looking up.